Welcome to Full Rigor, a Florida true crime podcast. I'm Karen Curtis. Thanks for joining me again this week. It's not nice to fool Mother Nature. Mother Nature is a bitch and a terrorist, especially during hurricane season. Well, officially, we are in the midst of the 2020 Atlantic hurricane season. As I record this podcast, we are watching... Tropical storm Cristobal. It's actually the earliest third storm to be named in the Atlantic hurricane season. I mean, in history. So we are getting off to a very, very quick start this 2020 hurricane season. Now, I have covered, flown in a helicopter as a traffic reporter for years, hurricanes in South Florida since Andrew in 1992. I would fly and report on evacuations and flooding conditions until winds reached about 40 miles an hour and we'd have to land. So pretty much an expert. I've, I've been through many, many hurricanes. Then after the storm, I would fly and assess the damage for the TV stations. And there were always lots of blue tarps on top of roofs. And, you know, it's a perfect bird's eye view from a helicopter to see the damage that can be done by a hurricane. And today, as Cristobal spins in the Gulf, I'm going to revisit the monster of all storms to hit South Florida, Hurricane Andrew. It hit August 24th, 1992. And there is no safe place in South Florida tonight. These winds exceed the building code. You hear about it, but once you experience it. The wind was whistling a, a, death, a death wish to us, the sound of death. Everybody needs to be where they're going to be at midnight tonight. That is sound from WTVJ in Miami, where the J stands for journalism, damn it. And that was Brian Norcross. He is famous. He was the only one on the air. Everyone got blown off the air. I think the tower at Channel 7, they're located on a causeway, and their tower got blown down. And Channel 4 at the time, it's now WTVJ is Channel 6, NBC. But at the time, they were Channel 4. It was Brian Norcross, Tony Segreta, who was at that time the sports guy, and Kelly Craig, who were in like this bunker in the base. WTVJ was right in the bowels of Miami in this old building. And they were downstairs in this like cement fallout shelter closet. It was tiny. So at the time, the news anchor, his name was Tom Randalls. He was the main anchor, but he did not want to stay at the station. He wanted to be with his family during Hurricane Andrew. So Tony Segreto stepped in. He was a sportscaster at that time, and he did such a wonderful job. They made him the main anchor, and Tom Randall says that he was penalized for choosing to be with his family the night of the storm. WTVJ disagreed and said, no, that's not the reason. But Tony Segreto became the man for many years after that. Anyway, Hurricane Andrew was a powerful and destructive Category 5 hurricane. Initially, they said it was a Category 4, but they reassessed it after the fact and said, uh, no, this thing was a 5. It hit the Bahamas, Florida, and Louisiana in 1992, August of 1992. So we're in June, and we've had three named storms. Andrew A. was the first storm in 1992 in August. So... I don't know if you believe in global warming, but something's going on. And some people took Andrew seriously, and some not so much. And when he said 150 miles an hour, I said, it's time to leave. You're in an evacuation area. What are you doing? Staying. Why? Why? (laughs) Bad idea. I was living in Palm Beach Gardens, just a few miles south of Jupiter at the time, and the storm was approaching southeast Florida, and landfall was initially put right in the Jupiter area, right at the Jupiter Inlet. 
yikes, right where I was living. And at the time, they said the winds would be 105 miles an hour and the storm would hit on August 25th. They had everything wrong at that time. So this underestimated both the strength and the speed of the storm, which would eventually make landfall further south in South Florida. And at the time, I was an anchor at the ABC affiliate, WPBF Channel 25, and I was covering the hurricane. And I had lived through two other storms at that time, two other hurricanes. So I had a little bit of knowledge about these things, but I didn't realize how terrible awful Andrew could be. I need to tell y'all about the terrible awful I done to Miss Hilly. Like the shit pie in the help. That's Miss Hilly's special pie. Eat my shit. So I lived through a hurricane in Hawaii. And when you're in Hawaii, you're on an island. So there's nowhere to go. You are not evacuating. And this was Hurricane Eva. It struck the island of really of Kauai, kind of brushed by Oahu and hit Kauai to the north of us and destroyed Poipu. I was in college at the time. So we were in our dorms and we put tape on the windows like that's going to help. It doesn't, by the way. And we had some wind and rain, but nothing really major. And I'm originally from Michigan and we have wicked nasty thunderstorms in Michigan. <laughs> Where you think the next morning when you go outside, every tree is going to be laid bare on the ground and the skies turn pea green with these pitch black clouds. It's terrifying, but nothing like a hurricane. It really doesn't prepare you for what a hurricane, the true intensity and power of a hurricane. Well, hurricane Eva came from the name of a frigate bird, which means the thief. By the way, Hurricane Eva was the most significant hurricane to hit the Hawaiian Islands since its statehood in 1959. So it just waited for me to get there for college. It severely damaged or destroyed about 2,300 buildings, totaling about 312 million bucks in damage, which is about 825 million in today's money. That was in 1982. And one person was killed from high seas, and three deaths were indirectly related to the hurricane's aftermath. Those happen. Like after the storm, people step in electrified puddles, they drive into a canal, a tree falls on them, all kinds of weird stuff. Then I left Hawaii in 1985 and moved to Sarasota. That's on the west coast of Florida. It's just a little south of Tampa. And uh, I lived through Hurricane Elena there, which was an unpredictable and damaging storm. It affected the western portion of the Gulf Coast of Florida in late August and early September in 1985. So Elena was very, very shifty. She deviated from its forecast path a lot. And this was during the Labor Day weekend. And it triggered evacuations of an unprecedented extent all up and down the west coast of Florida between the southwestern Florida coast and eastern Louisiana. It had sustained winds of a buck 25. So nothing like Andrew. Of course, once again, stupid me, I did not understand the power of a hurricane and I didn't evacuate. But I learned my lesson. Andrew was a compact buzzsaw of a storm. It was small, it had a wicked tight small eye, and it had extremely high sustained winds. You know, it's chilling that, that the things we just sat here and talked about uh, a couple hours ago are happening in almost, almost uh, precise uh, detail. 164 miles per hour is what the winds peaked out at at the hurricane center. 164 right. miles per hour. So that's Brian Norcross and Tony Segreto, again, from their little bunker. They were taking phone calls from people who were listening to them on little transistor radios. Because uh, our door went in, too. I understand. But, but, but the door is okay now. Okay, I understand. But you need to... Grandma, 
You need to do everything you can do to barricade that door in the room. What, what room are you in in the house? Uh, the one, like the middle room, bedroom. Middle bedroom? Should we go in the bathroom? Uh, well, I hesitate to tell you to go out of that room because we don't know what the conditions are like outside that room, do we? They were like the only voice in the storm at that time. It was amazing. So Andrew blew the wind gauge right off the National Hurricane Center. It was up on the roof, and the Hurricane Center at that time was located in Coral Gables. So it wasn't far from the east coast of Florida at that time. Since then, they have strengthened building codes like a lot, and the Hurricane Center has moved way inland. So it's got a lot more land between the ocean and the Hurricane Center to protect it from whatever Mother Nature can throw at it. You know that Mother Nature is the most vicious terrorist of all. Think about it. It's not nice to fool Mother Nature. Andrew began as a tropical wave. It just slid off the west coast of Africa like many of these storms do from the Cape Verde Islands. And it started on August 14th. And it was really stressful because here in South Florida, we were just watching this thing develop as it was slowly heading west. Straight west across the Atlantic Ocean. It was a ridge of high pressure and it continued due west like a buzzsaw. There was no Bermuda High at the time to bend it northward. The Bermuda High sits over the island of Bermuda and so it steers the storms north. There were no upper level winds to shear it off and slow it down. Hurricane Floyd was similar to Andrew. It was headed due west as a Category 5. This was in 1999. It was massive. It was much bigger than Andrew. And I remember flying in the helicopter and preparing South Florida with the evacuations and everything. And at the last minute, this thing made a hairpin turn and turned north and made landfall at Cape Fear, North Carolina as a category two with 105 mile per hour winds. Phew, we dodged that bullet, but poor Cape Fear. I remember being extremely relieved. But meanwhile, Andrew accelerated westward into an area of highly favorable conditions. And what happens is the ocean heats up, and this becomes the fuel for hurricanes. The warmer the water, the stronger the hurricane. And so Andrew was just sucking up this warm water and the millibars. The intensity of the hurricane is measured by millibars. And... Andrew was rapidly intensifying late on August 22nd, and in a 24-hour period, the atmospheric pressure dropped by 47 millibars to a minimum of 922. So on August 23rd, the storm attained Category 5 status, and that's on the Saffir-Simpson scale. It's a hurricane scale that decides how bad it is, Cat 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. There will never be a Cat 6, 7, it's just impossible. Well... Can't say impossible or inevitable. And at that time, Andrew reached peak winds of 175 miles per hour. It was just a short distance off Eleuthera Island in the Bahamas. Thank God for the Bahamas. They act as our buffer zone, our protectors from hurricanes heading from the east to the west and heading right towards South Florida like Andrew did. They kind of take some of the heat off for us. Like Dorian, oh my God, and Maria hit Puerto Rico. I mean... If we didn't have any land masses before it hit Florida, we would probably not even be here. So as I said, despite its intensity, Andrew was a small storm. Its winds only really extended out about 90 miles from the center. Andrew blew up in the warm waters of the Gulf Stream, and the hurricane rapidly intensified as the eye decreased in size and its eyewall convection deepened. We had Matthew that came up from, basically came over Haiti, 
and then it intensified into a Cat 5, and it was heading kind of up the coast of Florida. And thank God it had like a double eye wall, and then it had kind of like a bobble, and we missed that Cat 5 eye wall wind by like 20 miles. It was intense. This was just a couple years ago. So on August 24th, Andrew struck Elliott Key with winds of 165 miles per hour, and its barometric pressure was 926 millibars, about 25 minutes after its first Florida landfall on Elliott Key. Andrew made another landfall just northeast of Homestead. Now, with a slightly lower pressure of 922 millibars, this is the the strength of the storm, and I'll give you an idea of the difference in storms and their strength compared with Andrew. The Labor Day storm of 1935 made landfall with a pressure of 892 millibars. Very, very strong. Camille, in 1969, made landfall with pressure of 900 millibars. Michael, in 2018, made landfall in Mexico Beach in the panhandle of Florida with 919 millibars. Andrew, again, 922. And when the pressure drops, that causes pregnant women to go into labor, I mean, it's really intense, the difference that a storm can make in the atmosphere, especially when the millibars are that low. And sometimes pregnant women just show up on Doppler radar because they're retaining water. (laughs) And Katrina made landfall as well. Katrina was weird. Katrina hit Broward and Miami-Dade County as a Category 1, crossed over Florida, and then went into the Gulf and downgraded from a Cat 5 to a Cat 3 and hit New Orleans in 2005 with landfall pressure of 920 millibars. Still a very, very strong storm. And by the way, my daughter's name is Katrina. (laughs) I'm so sorry, honey. She was born in 1994, so now people go, oh, your name's Katrina, like the storm? At least her name isn't Karen. It's not easy being Karen these days. It's really not a good thing. I don't want to see the manager. So Andrew was the most destructive hurricane ever to hit Florida in terms of structures, damaged or destroyed. It was the costliest in financial terms until Hurricane Irma surpassed it 25 years later. And it was the strongest landfalling hurricane in decades and the costliest hurricane to make landfall anywhere until New Orleans was hit by Katrina in 2005. In addition, Andrew was only one of four Category 5 hurricanes to make landfall in the United States alongside the 1935 Labor Day hurricane, Hurricane Camille in 1969, and Hurricane Michael in 2018. Andrew caused major damage in the Bahamas and Louisiana, but the greatest impact was felt in South Florida where the storm made landfall as a Cat 5 with one-minute sustained wind speeds as high as 165 miles per hour. It passed directly through the city of Homestead in Dade County, now known as Miami-Dade County. It stripped many homes of all but their concrete foundations. In total, Andrew destroyed more than 63,000 thousand homes. It damaged more than 124,000 others. It caused almost 30 billion in damage. It left 65 people dead. Hurricane Andrew cut a swath of devastation right across the bottom of the Florida Peninsula and actually made its way into the Everglades where 70,000 acres of trees were downed and it destroyed a facility that was housing invasive Burmese pythons and they then began inhabiting the region after the storm. We still have a major problem with pythons. We have python hunting. There's actually a python elimination program. We're trying to eradicate them because they have no natural predators. It's a horrible problem. Thanks, Hurricane Andrew. 
The 1992 Atlantic hurricane season, though, was well below average, with Andrew being one of the latest dates on record for the first named storm. And there were only six named storms that season. Sometimes we have so many we have to go into the Greek alphabet. Well, Andrew being the only major hurricane. So, as the head of the National Hurricane Center says, it just takes one. Now, to give you perspective, Andrew, which was supposed to hit in Jupiter, actually hit in Homestead, which is near Perrine, and it's in between Florida City and the tip of the peninsula and the Florida Keys and Miami. So it's south of Miami and north of the Florida Keys is where it hit. If it had hit in the metropolitan area of Miami, the damage would have been catastrophic. Or even along Palm Beach, those mansions and homes, even Epstein's home would have been blown away. Even Mar-a-Lago would have been blown away. It's in a way fortunate but unfortunate for those who live in Homestead that Andrew did make that slight turn to the south. Now, looking back on Andrew in post-analysis, doing sort of a hurricane autopsy, they found the storm was often stronger than operationally reported between early August 22nd and early August 26th. In real time, the National Hurricane Center assessed its peak intensity at about a buck fifty. upgraded the winds to 155 in post-storm analysis after the storm ended. They also made some advances in the cone of concern, the cone of death, the three, there's a three-day and a five-day cone, and it, they had a seven-day cone, and that just was not reliable. But the three-day cone is pretty reliable. Now, also, the National Hurricane Center can predict and track storms that haven't even formed yet. It's like magic. Sometimes these storms just pop up over the Bahamas, and they form there out of nothing. So in 2004, weather experts finally concluded that Andrew became a Cat 5 hurricane near the Bahamas on August 23rd and reached maximum sustained winds of 175 miles per hour and intensified into a Category 5 hurricane around the time of landfall in South Florida early on August 24th. And Andrew hit overnight when it's dark. That's when it's scariest. And you just hear this wind. It's terrifying. And it's not just like it passes through like a thunderstorm. It goes on for hours and hours and hours. And you just don't know if you're going to make it. People are hiding in their bathtubs in their bathroom with a mattress over the top of them while the roof blows off. I mean, it was just wicked. And when we drove down after the hurricane, there were no street signs. There were no trees. There was no foliage. It stank. It was unbelievable. It blew the driver's side door off our news van, and we were up in the Fort Lauderdale area. Unbelievable. My friend Carrie Sanders, who was a reporter for WTVJ at the time and was driving around in the hurricane, thought he was going to die. Here's some audio. He talked to the Weather Channel after the storm. Andrew was unlike any other hurricane. Careful, careful, careful. This was the mother. The car is shaking as if there were 10 people on either fender bouncing it up and down. It was like a semi-tractor trailer flooring it and ramming your home. This is the house we live in and it's blowing down around us. The roof just came off. We believed as long as we kept the mattress on top of us, we'd be all right. Holy, we gotta get out of here. We were in the wrong place and this was serious, we could die. Fortunately, he didn't die. But man, the aftermath, so something like a Katrina when it hit New Orleans, 
it was more the storm surge and the flooding and the levees breaking and the water was that was the main problem. But with Andrew, it was the wind. I mean, a piece of plywood vivisected a palm tree. It was sticking out perpendicular. It looked like a cross. The strength of the wind was just terrifying. And usually with the hurricane, the deadliest part, as I said, is the water, the storm surge and the flooding. But with Andrew, it was the wind and the tornadoes. There were a lot of tornadoes that were spawned by Andrew, mostly in Louisiana, though. I think 28 tornadoes. But comedian Ron White, one of my favorites, characterizes the power of a hurricane the best. But anyway, they evacuate the Keys and everybody leaves except for one guy who's going to stay there and tie himself to a tree on the beach to prove a point. And the point was, he said that at 53 years of age, he was in good enough physical condition to withstand the wind and the rain from a Force 3 hurricane. All right. Let me explain something to you. It isn't that the wind is blowing, it's what the wind is blowing. If you get hit with a Volvo, it doesn't really matter how many sit-ups you did that morning. So true, Mr. White, and I'll tell you, you know, we can eat Category 1 hurricanes for breakfast here in South Florida, not too scary. As I said, Katrina was a cat one when it came across the Broward-Miami-Dade County line. There was a highway that collapsed, but not a lot of damage. But when we hear that it's over a three, we all here in South Florida get very nervous. And so far, these storms have been pretty wicked strong and continue to intensify. So (sighs) hurricane season is just underway. Pray for us. And don't forget to check us out on Instagram at Full Rigor Podcast. And please don't forget to like us. That wraps up Full Rigor. Thanks for joining me. Until next time. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.